Welcome to the Heal Podcast, where we believe God heals people in the way that brings Him the most glory and brings us closest to Him. Whether you've received healing, you're in the fight of your life, or you gave up on God a long time ago, you are welcome here. As you come to the table, listen with an open mind, knowing everyone's journey is unique, but pain is our common language. Hello and welcome to the Heal Podcast. My name is Tara Bradham Denai, and I hope that no matter what is going on in the world, you feel like this is a safe place where you can come and you can be encouraged. And we know that no matter what is going on in the world, there are still people who are living in chronic pain or physical limitation. And so we aren't ignoring those things, but we want to still be bringing you this information, hopefully to help you have a sense of normalcy and still equip you and help you draw closer to God and find healing and freedom no matter where you are no matter what is going on. So that's what we're doing today. The next few episodes are going to be our talks from the speakers from our fall heal retreat that happened in October of 2020. So this first one is my sermon from that fall heal retreat. And if you enjoy this message, head to thehealretreat.com or thehealministry.com. They both go to the same place and you can sign up for our winter heal retreat. That's going to be taking place January 30th. You have the option to either do it at 12 p.m. Eastern time or 4 p.m. Eastern time. We're going to have a sermon where I won't have a sword like this one, but I will have an elephant foot. So definitely want to come. The live part, this is the most valuable part is that you get to talk with people who are also struggling with the same things you are. So there's this really cool conference room layout and you get to click and go and talk with people and build community. And then we'll finish with some worship. So $10 to come, head to thehealministry.com to sign up. And I hope you enjoy this sermon. Welcome to Heal. I am so excited to be bringing you a word today. We're going to talk about fighting and what it means to fight. And we come here and we have this community and it's all about this lovey, gooey, building each other up. But we also have to be really aware that there is an unseen war being waged and we have to fight. So I'm going to teach you what it looks like to use the word of God to fight in our lives today. So before we get to how that applies to chronic pain, I'm just going to take us to the weapon of choice that we're using today. So we're going to be talking about swords. And one of my favorite stories is when I was babysitting a, two boys in college, I was telling them about the Bible. And it's one of the funniest things to me when people say Christianity is boring. Because I'm like, if you think Christianity is boring, you do not know my God. The Bible is full of these crazy stories. And so this is the story I chose to tell these two boys while we were tucking them in at night. I said, did you know that in the Bible, in Judges, the book of Judges 3, there is this guy that God raises up and his name is Ehud. And he goes in and long story, but it's to deliver Israel. And he goes in to talk to this king and this king, the Bible says is grossly fat. I mean, grotesquely. And he has his sword and he feigns telling him something in secret. And instead he takes his sword and he stabs King Eglon in the stomach. And the Bible says that King Eglon was so fat that the hilt of the sword went all the way into his stomach and the fat then closed over the hilt so that the sword was completely hidden. Right? And then Ehud escapes out the window and the rest is history. Yay, Israel. 
Okay, so these two boys were like, oh my gosh, that's not in the Bible. Show me where that's in the Bible. So I went and I got my Bible and I showed them that there actually are stories like that in the Bible. And they were so fascinated. And the thing is, we are fascinated with swords. We love them. I found this YouTube channel called Man at Arms and these team of people, they build swords from either books or movies or weapons. And so the one from Harry Potter, the Sword of Gryffindor, that video on YouTube has over 3 million views. Same thing, the Return of the King, Aragorn's sword, I think it's called Andril, that is 7 million views on YouTube. Swords fascinate us. So what are the, some of the things that swords mean? So one sword I thought of that's really popular is Excalibur, so the sword and the stone, King Arthur, right? So when he took the sword out of the stone that no one else could do, that meant anointing. Right? And let's go back to the sword of Gryffindor. That is a sword that only took in things that could make it stronger. And so then that sword, what was meant to hurt it, actually is what is used at the end to, to defeat their final enemy. So that one, it meant courage and victory and strength. And then that sword from Return of the King, the sword that was broken and remade through magic or whatever it was, was then used to defeat the enemy. That one meant redemption. It meant the return of the king. And so actually, the return of our king is also a sword. So Revelation 1.16, talking about Jesus coming back, which hasn't happened yet, but it will, says, And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. So hold tight to that. We're going to come back to what that two-edged sword means. But first, what does a sword do? So we talked about some things it can mean. Well, before swords, we just had knives, and they were hunting and gathering, but we would use them to sharpen things, make and craft things, and also to help us hunt. But when we created a sword, that was the first weapon created just to kill, just to murder, just to hurt our enemies. And when swords were first made, they only had one edge. So really, if you use the wrong edge, you wouldn't hurt anyone, right? And so I was thinking about a date I had with my husband the other night. And we had to blindfold, well, he had to be blindfolded, and I had to then guide his hands, but I couldn't talk of how to make a pie. So we chose key lime pie, and he had to cut these little key limes with a knife while blindfolded. So I, I showed him his hands where it was, and he would feel the knife to see which side was sharp and which side was blunt, because if he pushed on the side that was sharp, that would really hurt him. And likewise, if he tried to use the blunt side, it wouldn't work. And so then the Romans end up crafting what they call the fifth sword. Now, the fifth sword was sharp on both sides. So it was a different kind of blade. And then we're going to talk about some of these passages where this fifth sword and this two-edged blade comes in. So we saw it once in Revelation that's coming out of Jesus' mouth when he comes back. If you have your Bibles, you can go to Hebrews 4.12. I have it written here, so I'm going to read it in a couple different translations. For the word of God is alive and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. That's the NIV. I want you to hear it in the Passion Translation because I think sometimes when we hear Scripture differently, it helps us make it fresh and more alive. It says, For we have the living word of God, which is full of energy, like a two-mouthed sword. That's actually what the literal translation is, two-mouthed. It will even penetrate to the very core of our being where soul, spirit, bone, and marrow meet. 
It interprets and reveals the true thoughts and secret motives of our heart. So when we think about that two blade, it literally means two mouths. What that means is that that first blade is when God speaks the word out. So that is a one blade towards the enemy, right? You could kill something with one side of a sword, but it becomes double-edged when it comes out of our mouth. So one is when God speaks it. The second one is when we proclaim that word over our situation. So this fifth sword, actually, when the Romans started using this, it had two sides, and Vegetius, I think, some Roman guy back a long time ago, he said that it was so dangerous that all you had to do was shove this sword two inches into your enemy, and then if you twisted it, you pulled it out, you would completely disembowel your opponent. Okay, two inches. So that's not very long. When we think about running a mile or measuring a giraffe, like doing these long things, we're like, man, two inches is not much. But when we're talking about a blade, that two inches means life or death. But see, that didn't work if you only had one blade. You had to have both blades, both God speaking the word and you speaking the word, so you could twist the blade and kill your enemy. Well, we have a really real enemy, and guess what? It's not one of us. Just as a total side note, one thing in weaponry, right, if you've ever been taught how to use a gun, is you never point it at something you're not willing to shoot. Swords were the guns before there were guns, right? You never point the sword at something that you wouldn't want to kill, right? So we don't use the word of God and point it towards each other. That is used to kill, and that's what Satan did, right? When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, he tried to put the word of God towards Jesus, right? He said, well, God said that he would command his angels concerning you, so you should throw yourself off. But Jesus knew that he was manipulating the word of God, and so then he picked up his real sword and said, no, the word says that you are not to tempt the Lord your God. So just as a side point, we're not using the sword against each other. We are using the sword against the, the person who came to kill and steal and destroy, which is Satan, and he is worthy of us using a sword. But all we need is two inches, two inches, and he's completely disemboweled. So when we go through this, another time that this fifth sword is used, and this really is the word that was used when Paul wrote in Ephesians. Ephesians 6.17, we talk about the armor of God. He said, and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So the sword of the spirit, what we use to disembowel the enemy is the word of God. And so what we have to do is defend ourselves and fight back, right? Sometimes Satan is like that, like tempting Jesus, and we have to use the sword to defend ourselves. But sometimes, I mean, we just got to use the sword for offense, right? I mean, all the movies where you see Aragorn leading the charge at the end, right? I mean, he's charging the kingdom of darkness. This isn't just a defensive posture. It's something where when the word of God lives in us and dwells in us, we can take the kingdom of darkness by force. We can stab holes in it and disembowel it all over the place. When we know the word of God, when we memorize it, the Holy Spirit can then pull it up from our depths and use it at exactly the right time. When that happens, it's called a rima word. That's the Greek used. And it means there's this word quick into your spirit, just right at the right time. And that is what is used to kill the enemy. So for those of you who are like, Tara, how does this apply to people in pain? Well, I'm going to tell you, if you want your points, here they are. You can fill in your notes. Number one, pain does not disqualify the word of God. So a lot of you may be sitting here thinking, yeah, but Tara, you don't understand what I'm going through. You don't understand that the sermons, a lot of times, I don't feel like 
relate to me because I'm sitting here in so much pain, I don't even know if I can listen. Uh, my friends don't understand what I'm going through. How are you telling me that this could relate to me when I'm trying to crawl, get out of bed in the morning, do all of these things with pain? God knew before the creation of the world, before he knit you together in your mother's womb, he knew that you might have a genetic disorder that might be with you your whole life. He knew that accident that would cause you to become paralyzed or the accident that would cause you to live in pain or nerve damage for the rest of your life. He also knew that he might heal some of us miraculously, and he totally does that. But he also knew that maybe he would be more glorified through the condition of your heart changing instead of the condition of your body. He knew all of that. And you are not disqualified from using the sword of the Spirit and the Word of God just because you live in pain. On the contrary, lots of people in pain are one of the truest examples of the gospel of the grace of God in the entire world because they understand that the more pain they're in, the more that they can love God, the more they understand how much he loves them, the more that they can depend on him for every moment of every breath of every day. And when the world looks at someone in pain who is living their life in freedom, that's the most beautiful testimony in the world, right? It is by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony that we overcome the enemy. And so your testimony will overcome the enemy. You can still use this sword. You are not disqualified because of your pain. Number one, pain does not disqualify the word of God. Number two, you must have Rima words when you live in chronic pain. You just you can't get through life without them. You have to have that quickened word to you. And, and fun fact, the, sword of this, uh, the shield of faith is also on the loin belt of truth. So on one side, you have the shield of faith, and on one side, you have the sword of the spirit. They are both connected to the loin belt of truth. And so you have to have the truth of the word of God to be able to use either one of them to deflect those flames of the enemy, those flaming darts, or to use the sword to kill them. So what are some of the lies that the enemy uses towards people specifically who live in pain? Well, one that I thought of is you're in so much debt. What kind of a good father would allow you to be in this much debt for a condition that you didn't choose and that you didn't know was going to happen? Well, if you pick up your sword of the spirit and you have these words dwelling inside of you, you would know that the psalm says that we serve a, just like a father of his child is compassionate. God, our father, is compassionate towards those who fear him. So you can take this sword, boom, just like a psalm. You would also know that in Matthew, Jesus said, well, how many of you, when your son asks for a piece of bread would give him a stone? How many of you, when he asked for a fish, would give him a snake? No, just like even though you are evil and know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more so your father who is in heaven gives good gifts to those who ask them for it. So you take that little word and you just shove it right into the enemy. Yeah, you might have to pay off some debt. Yeah, it might not be easy. Maybe there are consequences of your actions and you putting it off and having ignored it. That's life, but that does not mean that God is not a good father and that he is not fighting for you. And that Romans 8.28, that he's not working all things together for your good. That is your sword. He is good. Maybe one other lie is that life isn't worth living. 
And I don't say that lightly because, I mean, yesterday I've been facing some nerve pain in my back and it just flared up. Maybe because I was speaking today, I'm not sure. But it was so unfathomable that it took me right back to my pain in my shoulder where I begged God to die when I had these misdiagnoses for seven years. And I thought yesterday, if I was in this much pain every minute of every day, I would want to take my own life again. And it's a very, very real lie that Satan tries to throw at us because when you're in so much pain, life doesn't seem worth living. It just doesn't. But if you have the word of God, you know that Jeremiah says, woohoo, that I know the plans I have for you. They are plans to prosper you, not to harm you, right? So you take that sword and you just strike it down. You know that Isaiah says, for I know you, I have called you by name, you are mine. And so you stab the enemy, right? He is, you belong to God, so your life is not yours to take. Paul talks about, through his ministry, that he says, we have been under so much pressure that it was more than we could endure, that we despaired of life, that we felt like we had a death sentence on our life. But this happened so that we might not rely on our strength, but on God who raises the dead. And so you take that and say, no, my God says that his grace is sufficient for me, that his strength is made perfect in my weakness, that my life is not mine to take, that he will redeem this, that no pain that is wasted when it's given to God. You take that sword and you just stab it right in. It can't stand. When you have that truth, nothing that the enemy throws at you can stand. Another lie that you have, you might face, is, well, your friends are getting really sick of you, and you shouldn't hang out with them, right? They don't know what's going on. People, you know, have hurt you at church by telling you you don't have enough faith to be healed, and people just really aren't worth it. Well, if you have the Word of God, you know that the Word of God says you should not give up meeting together. Actually, as you see the day approaching, you should meet all the more together to encourage each other even more as we see Christ's return coming. And so you just take that in and you stab it, you slash and you fight. And no, I don't know how to use a sword, but you get the picture that this is what you can do when you have the Word of God. There are so many other lies that the enemy tries to throw at us. But when we know the word of God, it wells up inside of us. Jeremiah says that the word of God is burning in his bones, so much so that he can't hold it in, that it feels like he would die if he held it in. That's what it's like when you have the word of God in you. Our last point, number two, is that you have to have rima words, the specific words of God in the spirit that you can use. Number three is you've got to pick up your sword. I mean, right here. You, you've just got to take responsibility. So many of us are just living in these excuses of, well, I don't, I can't read the word today because I'm tired and I'm in pain. Well, guess what? We have some practical resources for you. There's something called the Dwell app. Maybe that could be something like your sword. You take that Dwell app, you put it on, you have a migraine so badly that you can't see straight, but you close your eyes and you listen. And whatever voice that that app plays it, you can do Australian, you can do British, you can do American. And that person is reading the word of God in, and that's going in. You can memorize it. It will well up in your spirit and you'll be able to use that sword. No more excuses. I don't know what it is for you. Let us know. We are just driven to find you resources to be able to combat the enemy and combat his lies. So 
let's, let's pull together. Maybe in our breakout sessions, we can talk about some ideas and how we've struggled to stay in the Word of God and what that looks like and how we can really apply it. But you've got to pick it up. You've got to pick up the sword. You've got to let God speak through you, and you've got to be able to just drive it in, twist the side, and just disembowel the enemy of your soul. You fight from victory, not for it. Yes, there are battles to be won, and in that way we are fighting for, but Jesus has already won. He comes back with a two-edged sword coming out of his mouth to right every wrong, to take away death, to take away pain. There will be no more tears, no more agony. But while we're waiting, he gave us this. He gave us a sword to fight. God bless you guys. I'm going to pray for us real fast. God, thank you for giving us your sword. Thank you that you give us the ability, Holy Spirit, to just bring back words maybe we read years ago. And the thing with scripture is when we memorize it, we can't help but let it come out of us when we're in a trial where we need it, God. So I just ask that as we go from here, you would remind us of words that you've stored up in our souls, that you would give us the self-discipline, which you say is a fruit of your spirit that we can't have without you, to get into the word, to know you, Lord. And I just ask for your grace, for your redemption, in our lives to just show us where we've been believing a lie of the enemy and where we need to take out our sword and stick it straight into the heart of darkness. Help us live on offense, not just defense, and help us live a life worthy of the calling that we have received. In your name, amen.